Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I just want to give a quick challenge from God's Word here. And um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And we're just going to look at verses 9 and 10. And uh, let's read, uh, read those two verses, then I'll read them again after some introduction here. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9 and verses 10. It says, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols, to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. All right, so with this little uh, sermon, I guess you could say, uh, I'm going to call it the real deal. All right? So... Before I went to China, I never really thought about the real deal. I mean, pretty much everything you buy in China is, is the real deal. I mean, it's hard to find something fake, you know, like a fake iPhone. I mean, you just can't find one in America, right? They, they control that pretty well. But in China, it's a little bit different. The, they kind of re- relax the rules a little bit, and you can find everything. I mean, it's like you can come home, go to China, come back, you got the North Face jacket, you got the new iPhone, and, uh, you know, some Nikes, and you pay like, 20 bucks for it all, you know, it's like, and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> I don't think that's the real thing, but uh, a couple, several years back, they had a, a baby formula scandal, anybody hear about that? Somebody was selling stuff that looked like baby formula, but it wasn't, it was basically, it was poison, um, and it was selling, they were selling it for a little bit cheaper, and people were buying it and feeding it to their kids, and some kids got sick, some of them died. I mean, close enough though, right? I mean, it looks kind of like it. Is that okay? No. I mean, the real deal does matter, especially when it's life and death situation, right? Um, But let's take that concept and let's apply it to the believer's life. I mean, what what is the real deal when it comes to the believer's life? You know, is just looks good enough? Is that okay? No. Um, And that's that's a life and death matter. So I want I want to. Think about what is, what is the real deal? What is a true, we could say, what does a true church look like? Or we could boil it down to its smallest part, which is the believer, right? But let me just think of this. If you had a, a million dollars and you just said, I, I need to get rid of this money, so I'm just going to go start a church down the street. You know, we need one more church right over there. So you go down and you, you say, okay, we need a building. So you go buy a building. Then you say, well, what else, what else do we need? Uh, people. Right? Okay, so go down to Walmart and just start hiring people. Say, hey, look, if you just show up on Sunday, I'll pay by the hour, just sit there. All right? And so you get these people to come, and then you say, all right, well, we, got, we need a piano, we need some musicians. So you go down, and you just find some musicians, say, hey, just play these hymns on Sunday morning. And then you find somebody that can really, you know, in order, really speak well, and say, just stand up here and just read a sermon. Just, you know, pound the pulpit a few times and just act like you really believe what you're saying. And uh, Sunday comes around, and uh, I bet most Americans would look at that and say, oh, there's a church right over there. There's a church. It's like, that's not really a church at all, is it? I mean, think about that. We, the fact that we would say that's a church, uh, it tells us something of the danger of the hour that we live in in church history. A church is defined by an activity that we do. Not by who we are in our relationship with God, right? But so I want you know I want us to think about Paul. 
Paul was a church planner. He went to this place. He started a church. He left because of persecution. He sent Timothy to find out how they're doing. And they came back with the report. And Paul says, oh, I am so thankful, right? Thank you, Lord, that now I know that this is truly a work of the Spirit. This is the real deal, right? This church that I started. And I want to know, what did Paul look at? What were the things that Paul looked at to decide that these, these were the real thing, the believers? And so I think he, well, I know because it's right here, but the things he looked at were, had nothing to do with the things that we often look at. You know, we look at, well, the great big building, you know, how are the numbers doing? Yeah, we got big numbers, big offerings, you got programs, you got... But Paul didn't mention any of those things. Uh, This is what he looked at. Uh, Here's what he says. He mentioned three things. He says, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols, to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. All right. Well, here's the things that Paul mentioned. I think we could look at these. Paul mentions these three things, and I think we could say that these are the three evidences of a believer's life. These are the three things, the evidence, the, the best evidence that, that a person is truly born again. What's going on in, inside is truly a work of the Spirit. All right? So I think we could look at these and just look at ourselves and say, is, am I the real deal? I think these should be true of each one of us. Here we go. Number one, the first thing that he says about them um, is how ye turned to God from idols. So the first thing that he mentions is a, a turning from idols towards God. Now, you know, as Americans, we think, well, we don't have idols, right? Uh, we don't have, except, you know, maybe the Chinese restaurant. They got the Buddha or they got that little, you know, the cat that does the hand thing. It's like, I have no idea what that thing's supposed to do. It's like, am I supposed to give it high fives every time it goes? I don't know. But, you know, we don't have, oh, that's China, you know, these, we're too sophisticated. But we know that's not true. Uh, Idolatry is is not just a physical thing. God is not just offended by carving things out of wood or bowing down or the smell of incense. Um, There's something going on inside the heart. Idol worship is is a... is a heart matter, right? And we know from the scripture that an idol could be basically anything. It's, uh, idol worship is basically giving your high, the highest affection of your heart to something other than to whom it, does, it belongs, which is God. It's basically giving the love or the affection of the heart to something that God made instead of to him. And we know from the scripture, I mean, we could talk about, do a whole, you could probably do a whole sermon on it, but, uh, you know, and the, take it to it, you know, it's not just a bad thing, it's not just a good thing. It could, be a, it could be a gift that God promised you and gave you. You know, Isaac, remember that? He was promised a very good gift, his son, right? And you know what God said? Give him back. I want to know that you love me more than him. And he passed the test. Uh, but to, to turn from... It says, how you turn to God from idols, there was a turning of the heart towards God. To seek after God. To love God. I mean, that's it. That is the first, the first, the greatest evidence of a believer is, is a heart that is seeking after God, that loves God. Is it not? I mean, just the, the direction of the heart. You know, we talk about repentance, right? Is that not what it is? It's, it's a turning towards God. 
right? I mean, you have to turn away from loving the things of this world, the things that God hates, and towards, towards God. And a, a seeking after God, to, to love God, a heart that searches after God, that's it. You know, as a believer, you know, when my, even in my worst moments, you know, uh, a heart still seeks after God. I mean, it's like there's misery. The, the Holy Spirit's not giving me joy because I'm grieving the Holy Spirit. And there's times in my life where it's just like, are you sure Andy's a believer? But it's like, man, I, Lord, I don't want to be in this situation. I want, Lord, I want to seek after you. Lord, I, I want to be right with you. I, you know, I, if the Holy Spirit's in your heart, then there's a seeking after God. And that, that's the greatest evidence. And, you know, if you think about it, what does God want from you and me? Is it not that we would love him? Of all, let me just boil the Christian life down. What does God want? That we would, we would trust him and love him, Right? I mean, I, I got this little girl, you know, Joy, in here. Man, I just love this little girl. I mean, it's just like, I just, I I just want to buy her stuff, you know? It's like, I mean, of course, food, clothes, that's, that's a given. But I want to give her, like, a little bike, you know? And, all, and it's like, man, I just, I want to, I want to want to give her stuff. But imagine if she took that gift and just, you know, just squeaked off into the sunset and said, I love this more than you. <laughs> Bye-bye. I mean, I'd just be like, get back here. Give me that dumb bike. I mean, I would hate that bike. I would take that bike and just grind that thing to powder. I mean, that she would love the gift that I gave her more than me. That would just break my heart. I want her to love me. I want that relationship with her. I want to show her that I love her, and I want that, her to love me back. And You know, to think that we would love something that God gave us more than, more than loving him. What a tragedy. What a great tragedy. I mean, that's it. That is the, that's the big one right there. We don't even have to talk about the next two. A heart that just desires to know God, to love God. And, you know, maybe today you're here and you don't even, you're not a believer. You've never trusted in Christ. And I tell you what, that's what God wants. He wants, and Christ has made, he's opened the way for that so we can, we can know him. Uh, he's loved us so we can know how to love him. And all we have to do is just say, God, I want to know you. God will say, I'll take that. And he'll take that and he'll, He'll, he'll put his spirit in us, and Christ died for our sins. Put your trust in him. But, but that's it. And you know, as believers, if you're a believer today, that's the big battle right there, to keeping your heart, seeking after God. You know, uh, David and Goliath, the big battle, remember that? There's the giant, little David. That was easy. I mean, that was not the big battle. I think David did like a behind-the-back, you know, it's like, check this out. I mean, he had thrown that stone so many times. I think the battle was that daily throwing of the stone. That's the secret right there. That was the thing that, that made it so he could take down that, that giant. It was that every day God had him out there. Put the Pepsi can up there. and You know, I mean, and I think as believers, that's it. Every day, a daily seeking after God, keeping our hearts turned toward him. The second thing, uh, we got to move real fast. I only got three minutes. And, uh, but it doesn't matter. I can do these fast. The second is, there was a turning towards God to, to serve the living, uh, turning to God from idols to serve the living and true God. It wasn't just to turn to love God, but, but to serve the Lord, right? And uh, let me just say this uh, for time's sake. Let me just say, as believers, I think, you know, I think you know that, I know that, that we need to be serving the Lord. We want to serve the Lord. There are things that keep us from serving the Lord. Maybe you're not living a life that God can, that God can bless. That could be a problem. You're thinking, why is God not using me? Why do I feel like I'm not doing it? 
Maybe you're living a life that God says, I can't use you because you're not walking in obedience. And uh, you know, it's just there's a simple solution. Just make decisions that God can bless. That's it. That's, that's the life. The next thing you do, make sure that God can bless it. And the next thing I'll say about that is, you know, our attitude about serving the Lord. Jesus gave us, he taught us the attitude. You know, when he was there with the woman at the well, the disciples came back and he said, Lord, you know, they said, Lord, eat something. You know, here's some food. And Jesus said, you know, my meat is to do the will of my Father. That's the thing that satisfies me, to serve my Father, to do his will. And as believers, you know, we're like, well, my circumstances don't allow me. Uh, you know, you know, I got, you know, once things fixed, you know, my circumstances, then I can, you know, really, you know, do what I know I need to do. But that's, that's a lie. Uh, our attitude, we decide. Uh, when I was in China, I remember there was a, the missionary, he taught me a great lesson. His, he was standing there, his daughter was, his daughter was over here standing next to him, and she was acting bad. She was like, and he was like, if you don't become happy right now, I'm going to spank you. <laughs> and she was like, yeah. <laughs> and she was like, all of a sudden, she was just happy. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> is that possible? I was like, yeah, I guess it kind of is. You know, she, could, she decided her attitude. And it's like as believers, yeah, we can decide our attitude. Well, the scriptures tells us what attitude to have about serving the Lord and about the things of, of, of the Lord, right? And the problem is we're, we're trying to be like the world. I remember I was in China. There was this guy walking down the street. He had the bill of his hat up. And he was like going, he was just kind of like, and I was just like, I was looking at him, and he was like, he don't look like anybody around you. I was like, why don't you look around and see that nobody looks like that? And, but I was like, I started to think about this guy, and I was like, you know, he's seeing somebody. Somebody in his mind that we can't see, and he wants to be like that person. And the rest of us think he's weird. And I was thinking, that's what the world, that's what we should be like. The world should be looking at us thinking, why would you want to serve the Lord? Why would you desire to, 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 to serve the Lord? Uh, but if our, in our mind's eye, we're, we're looking at our king. I tell you what, that's it. That's the secret. We need to have our, our hearts on the right place, not on things below, but put our affections on things above and just do his will and desire his will. The last thing, I'll tell you, I got negative 30 seconds. I have already passed my time. But the coming of the Lord, it says, and to wait for his son from heaven. You know what? It is so strange that the coming of the Lord is a taboo topic in the church. It's like, I think the Lord's coming back. I do, by the way. And people say, whoa, hey, whoa, hey, wait a minute. Nobody knows the day or the hour, so just drop it. Don't think about it. And I'm like, what in the world? Of course nobody knows the day or the hour. But from a desiring to see the Lord, that perspective, why are we not desiring to see him every day? When I was five years old, I was sitting outside waiting for Grandma and Grandpa to come from Kansas City all the way to Wyoming. And I was watching down the street, and every car that drove by was grandma and grandpa. I mean, I hope so. And, you know, oh, that's the neighbor. But I just, I was loving their appearing. I just wanted to be with grandma and grandpa. Why is it not that way with our Lord? Do you love this world? Is this world our home? I mean, I want to be with the Lord. I hope he comes back tonight. If he doesn't, I'm going to call it tomorrow he's coming back. If he doesn't, the next day. It's like, I'm just going to be watching down the road for the Lord. And there's no conflict between serving the Lord and desiring to be with him. In fact, they work together. Uh, and so, all right. Well, there it is. Uh, there's a challenge from God's word. Uh, the, the three things. Uh, seeking after God, serving the Lord, and desiring his coming.
And so let's, uh, let's pray. And we'll, I guess we'll have an invitation. And so if, if you'd all like to stand. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know uh, this evening if, you, if you're a believer today. And, you know, I know it was kind of quick run through this. But, um, you know, it's a, our hearts, that's what God desires from us. And uh, we just need to reset our hearts, go back to that simple, a simple love for him. And everything sprouts from that. And so as the music plays, if you need to come, and uh, I don't know what you guys normally do if you, you know, need to pray at the altar. If, and uh, if you, you know, today, if you don't know him, if you don't have that relationship with the Lord, I mean, Christ, he came into this world because not to condemn us, uh, but that we might be saved through him. And